In this episode, we speak with David Schupin, a senior partner and co-head of the healthcare team at the Vistria Group, which is a Chicago-based next-generation private investment firm operating at the intersection of purpose and profit. David was recognized by GrowthCap as a top 25 healthcare investor of 2022. With over 20 years of healthcare experience, David joined the Vistria Group in 2017 and has helped grow the firm to over $7.1 billion in assets under management. Previously, David was a founder and partner of Crescian Company, a healthcare-focused private equity firm. David prides himself on working closely with management teams to address some of the nation's largest health challenges, in particular, expanding access and value of healthcare for complex and vulnerable populations. David is currently a director of Help at Home, Home Free Pharmacy Services, Metalogics, Mission Healthcare, PHCN, Savita, Rock Dental Brands, and Vital Caring Group. I am your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Where I'd like to kick off is the uniqueness of how the Vistria Group approaches its work. And by that, I mean this combination of purpose and profit. That seems to be something very unique about your firm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the firm's philosophy? Yeah, and maybe I'll start at the beginning. Our group was founded by two individuals that were longtime friends, personally, but also civically. Deep background in civil service. Both had been entrepreneurs, and like a lot of entrepreneurs, saw an opportunity when their businesses were sold to help people that reminded them of themselves, but hopefully do it a little bit better than they had seen done. And also, given their backgrounds, to do it in areas where if we won, so did everybody else. So areas where we would have a disproportionate societal impact. As luck would have it, that's exactly where they had also spent time. Areas, healthcare, education, financial services, kind of core building blocks of healthy economies. And so our business was really created, and our name is emblematic, power of three of our approach to try to help entrepreneurs build businesses in those areas where if we win, so does everyone else. And so it really goes back to our roots. Our business is entirely purpose-built to help folks that we're partnered with, not only chief financial goals, but those impact goals. And then we'll talk a little bit about the team, I'm sure here, but we've also constructed a team of folks on the investment side, but also the support services board that are hopefully diverse of background, race, ethnicity, all the differences that we think make us stronger and hopefully help us be better partners to our management team. So it kind of goes back to day one to answer your question. What's interesting is one could argue that by virtue of being involved in the business of growing companies, augmenting the employee bases that you're kind of naturally in the business of doing societal good, but there's much more to it with what you're doing and how you're approaching it. What are some of the criteria you use before you even set out? You mentioned the sectors that you focus on, and there's probably a lot of Mm -hmm. reasons why you focus on those sectors. What else do you look at where you discern, okay, this is one we will investigate further, or this one is clearly outside of what we'll look at? 
And so I'd say it's as much about where and why we choose to spend our time, but also the who we choose to spend time with that I think really differentiate us within the categories that we call home, which by themselves, I think, lend themselves to impact if you're doing the right thing. And so in the where and why, our thematic process on the investment side allows us to try to identify areas where, at least within healthcare, we think access and opportunity for value. Those could be values of the individuals we serve, but also value in the case of getting more outcome satisfaction for the individuals that we care for, those that pay for care. We have a process that we go through fairly rigorously to try to pre-identify those areas, the where and the why, right side of change. And then the who we partner with, I think, is also equally important. We really spend a lot of time on alignment, both financial, but also from a values perspective. Are these folks that are excited about pursuing not only financial goals, but really achieving those through being better. Better includes impact, satisfaction, taking a look at complete stakeholders, employees, as well as the community. And so if we get those things right, we have found that not only does it differentiate us in the market, you know, as people are looking to try to decide who they want to work with, which they have a lot of choices, but it's also produced better outcomes. And again, that includes impact as well. And how has your philosophy and and purpose and profit, how has that played into your firm culture? Has it helped in recruiting a certain type of investor? I think it's helped in recruiting all around, both folks on our investment team, our management partners, and those that help those management partners, operating partners, as well as investors. We are an impact firm, not just an impact fund, if that makes sense. It is part of who we are and our core DNA. I think we've been very fortunate that as the word gets out on that, we've had more folks call us than we've called them. But certainly within healthcare, I'll speak to that, and I know it's the case in education, you cannot be bigger without being better. And I think management teams at some point can sense whether someone is not authentic and how they are pursuing those goals. And I think they also understand the alignment of outcome and then again, achieving an impact. And so by recruiting a team and affiliating with investors and management teams that are all aligned in those goals, I think we've just kind of taken what we think is the right thing to do and a good idea and a business that we've built around that. And now that it's off and running and you can see it in action, starting to get a little of that flywheel effect going. But it has certainly helped us in recruiting all sorts of stakeholders. And hopefully as we bring new people in that are as excited about this as we are, we not only can do more of this, we get better at it as well. A common thought is that if you're pursuing this dual mission, sometimes profits can be put to the side or not maximized. How do you kind of ensure that LPs are happy with all aspects of the firm's performance? We think that, you know, I think product and purpose, and I'd say in this case, impact are positively correlated. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. If you look at some of the best performing healthcare companies out there, they're also some of the most profitable, fastest growing because they're incredibly efficient and effective at what they do. And as a result of that, they have lower turnover. They have better culture, happier people, provide better care more efficiently. They'll go a little extra, you know, maybe without having to use entirely compensation to do it. And so we find that, again, the alignment of those two, purpose and profit, are extremely helpful towards achieving, again, kind of our financial and impact goals. And they are not mutually exclusive. And again, I think if you look at our portfolio, you see that, you know, hospice is an example where because of, I think, the alignment of those incentives, we're able to attract a caliber of individual that allows us to recruit, train our employees better. They provide better care. We're able to invest in technology that makes us more efficient and effective at caring for people when it matters the most to them and also reinvesting 
any profits that we have back into growth so we can provide that great care in more places. So again, I really do think that they're not mutually exclusive. They're very reinforcing. And as you know, again, we and other firms that kind of pursue a similar philosophy have demonstrated that our investors, I think, see the duality of those goals, not the mutual exclusiveness of them. And you touched on some of the areas that you've been involved in within the healthcare sector, you know, hospice and palliative care. Can you tell us about, and you started to mention also the value that you provide, can you tell us a bit more about your value creation or value augmentation capabilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a very programmatic approach to supporting management teams, our consistent approach. We kind of fondly refer to it as the wheel of fortune and that it's often depicted as the virtuous circle. And we employ it to varying degrees with everyone that we support. It starts off really simply with having a plan, a value creation plan that we predefine with management before close, ensuring that there's alignment to that plan, which is not only communication and buy-in, but also literally writing a check and making sure that we're all focused on that together. We consistently focus on building the teams up front, get the right people on the bus, a little cliche, And then we lean into process people and infrastructure, kind of the building blocks of durable, enduring, and optimal growth. We've always had an operating partner approach to helping management teams. Those operating partners are aligned to the value creation plan areas where small companies or fast-growing companies typically encounter bottlenecks so that those folks can help as a sounding board, sometimes supplemental capacity, relationships network. But we've codified that with our portfolio resources group that helps take those plans, those people, and bring them together into kind of a project management office, which then allows all those great assets and resource views more harmoniously and hopefully optimally. And so we've tried to add that. And then it's all about growth. And that is where we're using our relationships and the companies with strategic partners, sometimes in the company, sometimes in our fund, sometimes just through the network to really try to take that strategy, those people, that infrastructure, operations readiness, and then push it through a little farther and faster than companies might be able to get on their own. We kind of joke we bring Fortune 100 resources to mid-market companies. We think that that's not only differentiated, but it's been extremely valuable over the years. Probably most proud of the stat that we don't talk about that often, but our management rollovers have been consistently higher than what we would expect without mandating them because the folks that the program is intended to benefit are voting with their wallets, which is to me a great sign that we're doing the right thing and for the right people. And it's resulting in them being excited to be a part of the program. And is there a typical type of company you're looking for in terms of stage and level of growth? Meaning do companies have to meet a certain current growth trajectory? We look to try to earn three times our capital in an illustrative five-year period. And of course, we try to see if we could do that in less. And so by definition, you want to spend time in areas that lend themselves to growth and to investing in companies that are ready for that growth and are excited to partner with us and our program to try to elevate and enhance growth. And so factually, that means we tend to spend time, again, in, in areas that lend themselves to that right side of change businesses that are kind of in the 10 to 100 of EBITDA range. So they're large enough to have generally been multi-city, multi-state. They have more than one customer, diversification. And there's kind of the start, if not the definitive kind of presence of middle management and other things that are just scalable human capital that we can export. So it's a series of factors, but I'd say it's about picking categories, companies, and then management teams that are ready to run fast and are excited to partner with us to hopefully run faster and maybe elevate the game across the board. 
Now, switching to your background a little bit here, it seems like you've been focused on healthcare and have been working in the investment banking and private equity field for your entire career. How much of this was planned from the get-go? looks pretty logical and sequential how you approached your career. I am the oldest son of an accidental entrepreneur who was on the receiving end of then a family office that purchased the company he worked with and run from a very small town in central Missouri. As the oldest child of a very hardworking father, I spent a lot of time in the family business and probably wore more hats than I should have been allowed to, but kind of fell in love with growing and building businesses and witnessed kind of the fun of doing that, but also, frankly, what can happen when there's an absentee partner that respectfully gave us our chance, but also really didn't say thank you that often and didn't meaningfully help the company. And so I got kind of lucky that when I got out of college, I realized that you know my fit was probably better coaching, so to speak, from the board or investor level than working in the companies. But I wanted to help people that reminded me of my family business, but do it in a meaningful and respectful manner. And I got lucky that this private equity thing came along in the mid-90s. And I got luckier still that I happened to start off in the healthcare field and kind of fell in love with it. It's mostly domestic. We've all been touched by it. I'm proud to say I help people. And so it kind of combined a little bit of luck on where I call home with maybe just kind of growing up in a family business that was entrepreneurial and have been very fortunate that that career has brought me to this point. And which areas of healthcare are you particularly excited about? I spend a lot of time in in in-home or home and community-based care, helping folks remain in places that are not institutions, whether they be hospitals or nursing homes, things that are sometimes scary and often very, very expensive and permanent. Once you move in, sometimes you don't move out. Hotel California. And so these are businesses that are delivered on a distributed basis via caregiver coming into your home to help you recover from a post-acute event or to help you stay in your home and community, really serving the roles that family members have served for generations. But today, it's just a little harder and a little different. And so we've been fortunate to have invested across that spectrum from discharge to death and all the long-term supports in between, but then also over the years have branched into enabling your support services that help providers in those areas do more for the individuals they care. Could be technology, care coordination tools, risk-bearing carve-out entities, pharmacy, et cetera. And so we've tried to be a one-stop shop for all the various providers and payers that call this ecosystem home. And it's been very rewarding and very fun. We're still kind of getting going, so to speak, but I get excited and kind of geeked out when we start talking about home and community-based care. We're coming up on time here, and I typically like to end with a couple questions. Before I hit on those couple questions, I noticed you're a board member at Communities in Schools of Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization? So Communities in Schools is a national organization. The Chicago chapter is where I'm involved. Well, the cliff notes is we help with dropout prevention and provide support services as well as financial resources to public schools that offer additional coaching, mentoring, tutoring, et cetera, for individuals that might not get that for a variety of reasons in their school program. So it aligns with something that is important to me and what I see in my community, but it also aligns pretty well with what we do here in Vistry on the education side. And my dad's company was in education as well. And so there's a whole bunch of reasons I'm passionate about it, but it's been a very rewarding experience. Fantastic. Okay, last two questions. One is, can you tell us about a book that you've read that has had an impact on you? If that's too serious, you can just provide a book recommendation. So I'll acknowledge I'm mostly a nonfiction reader and I can be a little nerdy. And so the book that has probably had the most influence on my life that I love to reread all the time is called Execution 
by Larry Bossidy. And I think I read it right when I was getting started in private equity. And I think ironically, it pretty much mirrors the mystery of business model to a T. So again, kind of getting lucky or foreshadowing, but how do you take human capital, operations, excellence, and strategy and align those to succeed? And so the first time I read it, I was totally transfixed by it and inspired and I reread it all the time, but it's a little nerdy, but that's probably the book that I would say has been the one that's on my shelf the most often. And last question is, can you tell us about a leader that you particularly admire? It could be a leader from any domain or field of expertise. Yeah. Again, close to home, but I have always admired and have been very fortunate over the years to work with her several times, April Anthony, who I got the privilege to meet in 2006-07 when I invested in her first company. And I think we're on company number three, but she's been one of the more successful female healthcare executives. Not only is she great at her job and an awesome person to spend time with, but she's an amazing mom and wife and civically oriented and faith-based and does it with a smile despite how hard it is all the time. And so I've always mild, I guess, the versatility of where and how she spends time, but she's an outstanding human. So again, very fortunate to have spent time with her, but an inspiration in my work. Great. Well, David, I really do appreciate this conversation. It's one that is unique and stands out from others that I've had. And there's, I know many in our audience who would find the Vistria Group's whole approach very compelling and very inspiring. So thank you again for taking the time. Pleasure speaking with you. 